Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, uh, wasn't it great to have Denise leading worship? I, I've always said that Denise is like a nuclear reactor worship leader in, in the best sense of the word, not in the Chernobyl sense of the word. But uh, um, I just wanted to let you know that this weekend is Christopher and Denise's last weekend before they head back to Brazil to continue uh, their mission work uh, there. And so while they've been here, if God, you know, tugged on your heart to, uh, to uh, start giving to them or support them financially, could I ask you to please follow through on that? Uh, the way to do it is you can go to our website, vcdc.org, and you click on ministries, click on missions, and then you'll see their picture, little box underneath you can click. You can sign up for a one-time gift or, or a reoccurring gift, but uh, I know that their expenses have gone up. They're pastoring two churches. They have a water park, an all-inclusive uh, resort. Um, no, that's not true. But they do have two churches, and so a lot of their, or a chunk of their income is, 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 is goes to the church. And so um, I just want to encourage you to bless them. Christopher's going to be uh, back at the info counter after the service, so please go uh, back there and give uh, them hugs. And if you have any questions, he can answer those for you. Okay, uh, this is the second to last talk of our uh, Live Free series. It's a study of the book of Galatians. If you've missed any, it's on our, you can also go to our website to catch up. But it is uh, a letter that Paul, Apostle Paul, has written to a group of churches in Galatia, churches that he planted. And these are a group of people who have believed and received something called the good news. It also uh, can be referred to as the gospel. And basically, the good news is that uh, they can now live their lives free from the burden of having to earn forgiveness, a clean heart from God, or of, uh, free from the burden of having to earn right uh, relationship with God. And this good news uh, is, is causing quite a stir. And uh, in, in, in some of the churches in Jerusalem, it's, it's causing not a good, not a good stir. Uh, remember that the Christian faith was birthed out of the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith, uh, besides other things, is a faith that's built <clears throat> on many laws that God gave to the Jewish people. And these are laws that he's given for his people to obey in order to be in right relationship with him and right relationship with uh, each other. The laws that God has given were and continue to be impossible for us as humans to, to follow. And God, God knew that was, was going to happen, knew that that was the case. And he didn't give us the law to be cruel. He actually gave us the law to help us. <clears throat> and what I mean is he is helping uh, humanity. It's helping us discover our brokenness, helping us discover something inside. The Bible calls it a sinful nature. It's something in us that makes us very resistant to the things in God, of God. It keeps us, it, it literally can keep us from God. And so in giving the law, God was creating <clears throat> an opportunity for us to really get in touch with our neediness, our brokenness, and our need for help, our need of a savior. And that uh, it's like enter Jesus uh, as our savior. In opposition to Paul's gospel, some of the Jewish believers were countering, uh, pushing back on his new teaching, saying things like, Paul's gospel is just way too free, right? Paul's gospel is, 
is dangerous because Paul, what Paul is doing is he's removing the leash, the leash of the law. <clears throat> and he's replacing the law with license. Their concern was, and now people are gonna, they're gonna think they can basically do whatever they want and still be in right relationship with God. So Paul's writing this letter to defend uh, the gospel that he brought. And he even goes so far uh, in chapter five, what we're gonna look at today, he even goes so far to say, you know what? <clears throat> this good news, this gospel that, that God is offering to everyone, you know, it actually is just the opposite. It, 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 it is a freedom, but it's not a freedom that, that's gonna cause us to just run amok in our lives. It's actually a freedom. We, it's, it's such a great good news that how it works is that it actually changes us from the inside out and it makes us want to obey God. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, like the, Jew, the concern of the Jewish believers, it doesn't turn us into just run amok people. And, and so just to get a picture, here's what I'm talking about, just to remind us or refresh us like, like of how good the good news is, okay? Uh, let me tell you a story. I, I have a pastor friend I have a pastor friend who uh, used to be a high school teacher, and he uh, used to have a class uh, for seniors only, super popular class, hard to get in, limited space in the class. As the teacher, <clears throat> he had the final say as to who got into the class and who didn't. And he told a story about a young lady. She is a junior in the school where he worked, and she came to him saying, please, 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 can I, can I take your class uh, can I take your class next year? And he, he said that he knew this young lady and he knew that she was a, a real go-getter, a very high achiever. Uh, she worked very hard. And, and he also knew that she lived with a pretty constant level of anxiety and pressure to you know, always get a home run, to, to get straight A's. And so he said, okay, uh, let me think about it. So he went back a few days later and he went to this young lady and he said, okay, he said, okay, yes, uh, I will let you take my class next year, but only under one condition. And I bet she's an achiever. She's like, bring it on. That's my love language. I like conditions. Let me, you know, I'm, I'm going to impress you. And he says, my one condition for you is this. You can take my class next year as long as you let me give you an A for the year now. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do in the class you don't even have to show up. You still get an A. Now, we'll finish that story a little later, but I, but I think that's the start of understanding how good the good news is because the Bible says we are saved by grace. Grace is a gift. We are not saved by works. Another way to put that is we can't earn our salvation by our behavior, <clears throat> and we can't unearn our salvation by our behavior. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my heart, that last phrase doesn't sit right with me. And, and I think that says something. Like what God offers to us in Jesus, the, the free gift of salvation, I think if it doesn't make us come uncomfortable, right? If it doesn't stir in us some of the thoughts that these Jewish believers were trying to put on these Galatian, these young Galatian believers, <clears throat> this is way too free. This is really dangerous. You know, people are gonna abuse such an incredible freedom. If we don't react that way to what God's offered us, I wonder if we really know just how great the good news is, uh, that what Jesus offers really is a free gift to be received and enjoyed and not a Christian paycheck 
for us, for us to earn. So uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into chapter 5, and we'll talk a bit more about what I've been saying. So Lord, <clears throat> thank you for such a beautiful day. Uh, I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for those who have uh, joined us online. And Lord, would you, uh, would you remind us again today of your very close, very loving, very powerful presence? Lord, we confess that we just, we, we, we tend to forget that you're there, that you love us, that you can do anything. Would you remind us today of just how great you are? So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Okay, you can follow along on the screens in your Bible. <clears throat> Galatians uh, chapter 5. Let's start with verse 1 to 4. <clears throat> Paul says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. <clears throat> so in the first verse, Paul basically summarizes, if you've been following along in this series, what he's been saying so far, because you are in Christ, because we are in Christ, we're now free. We're free from the burden and the bondage uh, of the law. But then he quickly follows it up with a very strong uh, warning. It's like, you're free. Now make sure you stay free. Don't go back into slavery uh, to the law. <clears throat> so following on the, on the heels of, of his warning, my first point is this, the cost the cost of trying to earn God's gift. And a little later in chapter five, Paul's going to explain to us why we would even be tempted to go back into slavery after we've tasted such a wonderful freedom. But for now, he lays out for them the cost of going back into a faith that needs to be earned as opposed to a free uh, faith that is a free gift given by God. So in verse two, Paul says this, Paul says, if you let yourselves be circumcised, what's the cost? The cost is, think about this, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Verse three, every man who lets himself be circumcised, well, what's the cost? Well, it means that that man then is now obligated to obey the whole law. I believe there's like 613 laws, like good luck. Uh, verse four, you who are trying to be justified by the law, what's the cost? You have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, remember that the Jewish believers, they're disputing the, the freeness of, the, of Paul's gospel. And they're, and they're basically saying like, yes, yes, okay, believe in Jesus, but you still, you still have to follow the Jewish laws and the Jewish, uh, the Jewish tr traditions. And they, and they really were focusing in on this thing uh, of circumcision, which was one of the uh, Jewish laws. And, and, just as a side note, when you consider what circumcision is, you know, it's a very minor surgery. And, and I was thinking this week about this, and, and don't think too much about it, but, but I was thinking, well, circumcision, it's hidden. Like, it, you can't even see if someone is circumcised. So I'll just stop there. And I'm, I'm saying this to make a point. So why would Paul make such a strong statement? Hey, hey, warning, if you get circumcised, you are disqualifying yourselves from the free gift 
that Jesus offers. It's like, Paul, Paul, what's the big deal? And Paul would say, well, you know what? The big deal is what circumcision represents. And, and meaning what, what, what attitude or motive is behind it? Because, there, because and basically what he's saying is the big deal is that saved by grace and saved by works cannot exist together. One will always cancel out uh, uh, the other one. And so if you say yes to one law, Paul's saying, well, then you've made your choice. And now you must follow the whole law of Moses in order to be made right with God. You're, you're on your own. Or if that isn't scary enough, in choosing to earn your relationship with God, uh, then you're also saying no. This is crazy. You're also saying no to all that Jesus accomplished on your behalf. And I don't know if this visual helps, but in a sense, I think what Paul is saying, it's kind of like picture Jesus on the cross. He's taking on all the sins of the world. He's taking the punishment that we deserved. And, and, it's, and it, just imagine if he, if he said this, if he said, it is finished. But then he looked at you and said, but not for you, right? But not for you, you better get to work. And, and listen to this quote, you cannot have it both ways. It is impossible to receive Christ thereby acknowledging that you cannot save yourself and then be circumcised, thereby claiming that you can save yourself. So Paul is warning the people, don't go back into slavery, hold on to that free gift that you received. Verses seven to 12, Paul, we're not gonna look at it, but he basically slams these Jewish believers who are accusing him of preaching a false gospel. But then Paul addresses the fear expressed by the, Jewish, uh, by the Jewish believers as to the danger of, uh, of what they saw as removing the leash, the control of the law. Verse 13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command, love your neighbor as yourself. And when I read this passage, if, if, again, if you've been in this series following along, um, this takes me back to the very first talk that Heather did where uh, she was talking about the, the title of the series, which is Live Free. And Heather said something like this. She said, you know, in, in, in defining, she said, this is how, the, this is how our culture would define true freedom. Uh, our culture would say true freedom is found in throwing off all restraint, right? And in throwing off all accountability, true freedom, our culture would say, is you be the boss of you. You do what makes you happy. And if anyone dares, you know, dares uh, uh, to push back on you, uh, uh, you know, they, they are wrong, they're out of line, they're to be rejected. And so I, I think that's a pretty good start of defining our culture's view on freedom. But, but that does not line up with what the Bible says. The Bible would say that true freedom, true freedom is found here, second point. Uh, in, true freedom is found in, in, in free to be controlled by God. True freedom is found under the control of God. And I say that because when you look at the story of the Bible, I mean, God, when he created us, he didn't create us, you know, like sort of like Oompa Loompas, <laughs> like I need some workers around here. He, he, he created us for relationship. His plan has always been that, hey, 
I, I want to be your father, and, I, and I, I want you to be my children. And I want you to come under my care. I want you to come under my protection. And also, I want you to come under my control. And we were made for that. In a sense, in a sense like sort of Bible language is that, you know, the word yoke, where you can yoke two animals together. In a sense, God built us as human beings. There's something in us that we're made to be yoked, and we're made to be yoked, connected to him. And that's, that's a picture of true freedom. It doesn't look like it, but that, that is a biblical picture of true freedom. And the problem, the problem for us when we go, no, that's not freedom. I got to get rid of this yoke and, and you know, throwing it off. The problem for us is we don't know how, we don't know how to live life without a yoke on our shoulders, something bigger, something, something to try to get back what we were made for. You know, and, and, and so it's like, uh, you know, the Bible refers to us over and over. He calls, the Bible refers to us as, as children and as sheep, right? And that's, that's, that's a picture of, of people and of an animal that are always needy. And so one of the dangers of our culture's uh, definition of, of freedom is that it actually sets us up to, to be susceptible to all kinds of different yokes where we're trying to find protection, and provision, uh, uh, and just identity, all the things that were meant to be found were meant to be found uh, under or in the control of God. So Paul basically says this, Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. And again, the fear of the Jewish believers was, this is crazy, Paul. If you remove the leash of the law, the control of having to obey the law, well, then people are just going to run amok. And, and what, what Paul basically is saying is saying, no, you know what? The, the, the plan of God, the plan of God is, and, and it takes time. It takes a lifetime. But the plan of God is, is that a human being, that a human being would, would, would you know, step into a place of believing the truth about God and start to experience the truth about God, the greatness of the good news, and, and that a human being would discover that even when we do mess up, even when we do break the law, it doesn't disqualify us. When we discover that the gift is still there, we didn't lose the gift. It's still offered to us. The, the plan of God is that then, well, then what you're going to start to see is a person who is less and less interested in abusing their freedom and more and more interested in enjoying their freedom and using their freedom to bring glory to the one who gave them freedom in the first place. It's the plan of God that his crazy generosity would literally change us to want to stay yoked to him. So, so let me do a little poll, and this might end my, my talk if it doesn't go well. We're online, oh no. But would you say, think of your own life. I'm curious, how many would say that that process is what you've experienced, and here's what I mean. You're, you're very much human. You know, there's, you, 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 you struggle. There's brokenness in your life. You're very much human, but because you've tasted, you've tasted something of the goodness of God, uh, the stuff of this world is becoming less and less attractive to you. Who would say that? Oh, sure. Okay, good. I, to, I just want to give you a chance there, son. Okay, that's good. And that's every service that's been the majority of the room. And I think, you know, that is the plan. The plan of God is that 
we would be so overwhelmed by the greatness of what he's offered to us that instead of us wanting to abuse it, we would go, why would I want anything else? Why would I want to lose it? And so, so let, me, let me finish the story. I started with the young lady who took my friend up as an offer, which, and, and uh, on his offer, you take my class as long as you let me give you an A for the year now. And, and again, she was free to do whatever she wanted. You don't even have to show up to class. And he said, when he told this story, he said, now, what do you think she did? How do you think she responded to the incredible gift that she was offered? And he said, in, in her case, he said, far from abusing his offer, uh, she actually excelled in his class. She worked very hard on the different projects uh, and had a blast doing it because she wasn't afraid. She wasn't anxious. It wasn't built on her performance. She trusted the teacher. She trusted his promise that uh, whatever you do, you're going to get you're going to get an, an A. The, the goodness of God uh, frees us, is meant to free us to, to be the people of God, to actually want to stay yoked to him, to be his forever children under his fatherly care and control. And let me end this, this point with this. Like any good parent, the thing that brings uh, uh, great joy to God, the thing that God desires after you know, our obedience to him is, is just how we treat each other. He's a father who loves to see his children get along. It says in verse 13, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, what should we do with it? Serve one another humbly in love. And again, the, the plan of God is that his crazy, generous, good news would turn us into a people who are able to now take what we freely received and to freely give it away. Okay, final section, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I want to say patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And basically what he's saying there is you can go crazy. There's no limits on those things. You can go crazy on those. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I said earlier, okay, why did Paul have to warn these people who had you know, had been taught and believed and received this incredible gift from God uh, of the good news, why did he have to warn them to not go back in, into slavery? Well, he, he really answers that question in verse 17. It says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And, and the, in this context, the word flesh, it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean our skin. It's talking about our human nature. And it's talking about our fallen human nature, something that we, uh, we inherited from our parents 
who got it from their parents, uh, all the way back to our first parents, uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, the Bible also calls this, I said this earlier, it's, it's, it's our sinful nature. You know, part of the brokenness in us is there's something in us that is resistant to the ways of God. And so another way to put it would be, that means then we, we basically have a civil war going on inside of us. There's a battle going on between our flesh, our sinful nature, our fallen nature, and the Spirit of God who's inviting us this way, while our flesh invites us this way. And I find that really helpful because I, I know you've, you've had thoughts like this. Like this helps me understand how I can so quickly flip-flop from being kind to being a total jerk. Like have you ever thought something or said something and thought, where does that, where does that come from? Like this explains how I can so quickly go from blessing another human to, to cursing another, another human. The Bible says it this way. We both, we have both pure and bitter water flowing out of the same well. And in verses 19 to 21, Paul gives us a list of these acts, the works of the flesh. <clears throat> and really, it's, it's what I referred to earlier. It's a list of all these different yokes, all these different uh, alternatives that the world offers to us, false gods, false saviors, false healers, etc. And Paul warns them. He says, hey, anyone who chooses to, you know, to, to, to put yourself under one of those yokes, just know that that yoke, that's going to pull you further and further away from God. And so when I look at this, I hope I've sort of painted a bit of a picture where you go, okay, it looks like what you're saying is God's offering this free gift, this amazing free gift, but because of our brokenness, we're not able to actually receive it and use it, right? Which seems really unfair or seems, it seems like, wait a minute, I think we need some help. I think we need help to actually, uh, you know, grab onto this gift. And thankfully, the helper is here. Third point is this, learning to live by the Spirit. Paul goes on, and in 16 to 25, Paul actually points to the Holy Spirit seven times. You know, this new life is found and sustained in a life uh, dependent upon and submitted to the Holy Spirit. So he says in verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit. What happens, Paul, if I walk by the Spirit? Well, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Meaning as I, as I stay yoked to him, right? Or if I stay walking in the Spirit, I'm gonna be able to say no to those desires that would wanna pull me the other direction. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, well, what does that mean, Paul? Well, that means that you're no longer under the law. There's a sense of you're free. You don't have to earn your performance. It's not built on your performance. It's built on you uh, receiving the gift. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, and there's a long list of fruits. Just a, a wonderful reminder that as we, as we walk by the Spirit or led by the Spirit, that His plan is to grow in us, is to change us from the inside out and to grow us, His fruit in us. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So again, how do we start and continue living in this incredibly free life, this incredible free gift that God has offered? Well, simply, it's this easy. We do it by walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, staying in step with the Spirit. And as we do those things, we will see the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives. It's that simple, isn't it? 
Well, it isn't, is it? I'm sort of being a little facetious or sarcastic. And I was thinking about this. And even at this point, as I was prepping, I was thinking of a lot of you. And, and, and I thought, you know, God, I think most of the people know what I've said so far. I don't think there's, there's much new that I've said. And so I was praying this week and I was asking God for a fresh way to demonstrate what a life uh, of dependence on the Holy Spirit looks like. And I thought of doing a mime and he said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And don't start the video. But what I want to do is we're going to end by watching a video. And the video is right around four minutes long. And I think this video is a helpful visual of what it's like to live in and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So in this video, you're, you're going to meet a guy named Keith. And, and Keith has had an accident and Keith is, his body is broken. Keith is, Keith can't walk. He is not able to walk on his own. So we're going to meet Keith. And what I want to encourage you to do in this, in this video is when you watch it is I want you to put yourself in the place of Keith in a sense that in this life that God has invited us into, on our own, we can't do it. We can't walk out this life that God has given us. So we're going to meet Keith, but then what we're going to see is Keith is going to jump into this suit. It's an exoskeleton suit that's going to help him walk. Someone who could not walk before is going to walk. And what I want you to do is you see yourself as broken, but then to see that suit as the Holy Spirit. Okay, is that clear? So why don't we turn on, let's start the video. It starts with a bit of just some, some, some well, you'll see here. But what I'm going to do, <clears throat> and this is just setting up the video, but um, as we go through the video, I'm just going to point some things out. There is audio, and, and there's a lady who is sort of guiding us through the video. <clears throat> but I'll, I just want to point parts out of, just to sort of say, this is what it looks like. For us as human beings. Keith is going to transfer go. from his wheelchair into the rewalk. Um, ideally, what's going to happen is he's going to transfer onto the right leg of the device and then another scoot to transfer all the way in. Okay, and I'm just here guarding the device and maybe so, assisting Keith a little bit if he needs. So it's going to take him a while to shift over. And, I, and, I, and that is a picture of how hard it is for us to move into this new life of living by the Spirit because there's resistance. We have an enemy who, who doesn't want us to discover the sure new life that is offered to us. And so it's hard. He's, the, Keith is working hard. This is a purposeful, <clears throat> a purposeful choice of his to, try, to, to jump up and try to move over into that chair. And also notice that, nice. that this is something done in community. Right, he needs people coming around him to help him, to help him do, uh, to move into the spirit, if you will. Can't push down on that knee. They did. Oh yeah, she made the strap longer. Nice. So when Keith is ready, he's going to do a sit to stand. Okay, he's going to press the controller on the watch. So on his own, he can't walk. the sitting position to the stand position. He's gonna take both crutches, he's gonna bring them behind him and tuck them in, lean forward, and the device is gonna help him stand up as he leans forward. Okay, standing. Good. There you go. Keep coming forward. Bring the crutches forward. Good. How do you feel? 
Okay. And Let's so watch as, as Keith watches he starts to walk. It, it's a reminder that this is just not natural. And we, it takes practice to learn how to be led, how to live by, how to walk in the spirit. Good. Try to shift with the hips coming first. Good. Very nice. Keep the head up. Good. One. And Scott to stop. Now listen nice. what she says. Good. Find home. Okay, I don't know if you could hear that. She said, find home. Okay, get in the home. There is Good. something of us being yeah. reminded in the off-balance times Four to be reminded of whose we are, whose whose no, hands or who's who's got us in that moment. Okay. Sounds good. It's a little short of a turn, okay. Okay. So to turn, Keith is gonna bring both crutches to the side, weight shift to offset one of his legs, and then use the crutches to pivot and turn. So you only shift as little as you need to lift up the opposite leg. Keep your chest up. You're going to shift forward with the hips leading. Better. Nice. Look okay, up. Micah, we, you can pause you it there, Micah. Stop. I don't know if you noticed uh, the lady, actually seven times in the video, she, she's reminding Keith, look up, look up, head up. And I just, to me, it was a reminder of to, to live this life, to, to walk in this new life that we're invited into, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to get our eyes on Jesus and not off our brokenness, not off our struggle. Um, you know, this week, as, as I watched, why don't we have the worship team come on back? Is this week, I, I probably watched that video like, I don't know, six or seven times. And I, I bet I, I think I cried every time I watched it. And and, and part of it was, part of it was just, I, get, I felt like I got to know Keith. I felt like I got to know this guy. And I just was, I was moved by, I was moved by his challenge, his brokenness. And, and but I, that just got me thinking and I, and it, it got me thinking about us, about you. And, and I think one of the, see if this makes sense. One of the, the challenges, I, I looked at Keith. And I thought, you know what, as hard as it is, and I don't know how he got that, you know, what accident he had, but Keith has come to a place of he knows he's broken and he knows he can't do this without help. And when I think of us and I think of the, the, the world that we live in, we have anything we want whenever we want it. We live in a culture where we, it's hard for us to admit we're broken. It's hard for us to acknowledge, you know what the truth is? God, if you don't help me, I can't walk. I can't live this life that you've invited in, me into. And I am convinced, I'm convinced to really step into this life, this true freedom, this life that we long for. It really does start by admitting our brokenness 
and our need, our need for him. We were made. We were made to fall into him and have him, have him fill us and take over and show us how to live this life and how to walk in this incredible, incredible gift that he's offered us. So why don't we, uh, why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.